This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. There's an old Beach Boys song that talks about going to Aruba, Jamaica, Key Largo, Montega, or Kokomo off the Florida Keys, and right about now in a gray Illinois winter, Dave, that sounds pretty good, don't you think? <laughs> oh my, we just came from lunch, and I'm thinking, oh, man, man, that was a cold drive to and from lunch. It sure was. Well, what sounds even better is taking your fly rod along on that uh, warm winter excursion. Now, you and I, Dave, we've never done a trip like that, an exotic fly fishing trip to one of these warm places, but we have a friend whose fly shop offers them uh, occasionally during the winter. And we're going to talk with him today uh, about exotic fly fishing trips. And our friend is Toby Swank. He's the owner of Fins and Feathers of Bozeman, Montana, actually about eight miles west of Bozeman at Four Corners, where you can head west to fish the Madison or south to fish the Gallatin and head up to Yellowstone National Park. So we chatted recently with Toby, and here's our phone conversation that we had Toby, welcome to our podcast. So what's the weather like today in Bozeman? I'd say it's about 25 degrees and sunny. Yeah, wish we had the sun here. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, I think it's about 25 degrees here and it's really cold. And Great. 25 in, uh, in the Chicago area feels like zero in Bozeman. But, hey, I was thinking about this. I met you uh, when you first opened your fly shop. Was that, was that about 18 years ago? It was. It was. Um, we opened in 2000, and, yeah. and I was thinking that too. I remember selling you that uh, an Orvis silver label. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it, it was probably it was probably early 2001. Yeah, yeah. Because we right. opened we opened like uh, Thanksgiving in 2000. No, so yeah, it's been a long time. Man, that had to have been one of the first rods you sold, right? Probably. And look how successful you are now. You just mentioned your butt. <laughs> so the Flyfish truck is a um, it's it's a a FedEx or UPS truck. It's kind of the largest one that they with that that uh, that you would see. It's got like, a 22 foot cargo box, and wow. uh, the inside of it's seven and a half feet tall. So it's a little taller than most of them. And then uh, we took the entire cargo space and tricked it out, make it look like a, a fly shop. So it's it's uh, and, then, and then we can go different places. We use it a lot to support our education and outreach stuff. So we'll take it to our classes and and we do a bunch of offsite events that will be anything from a, a nonprofit fundraiser to a private fishing class for some people uh, run around downtown Bozeman and, and uh, we'll have flash sales and just kind of all kinds of different stuff. Bozeman's got a lot of people moving here and how do we get in front of those people who are curious about fly fishing but maybe a little intimidated by going into a fly shop for the first time? Cool. Yeah, it's a terrific, terrific idea. It really is. So what we want to do today is pick your brain about uh, some of the exotic fly fishing trips that you've taken, that, that you offer uh, about this time every year. So what are some of the places that you've traveled to to fly fish or taken 
uh, clients to over the years uh, during these cold winter months? I've been fortunate, really, to travel a whole lot of places here in the last oh, 20 years, but, you know, especially the last 10 years throughout South America, North America, Central America, the Caribbean, spent a lot of time in New Zealand, fishing for all kinds of different fish, different destinations. Do you uh, you work with a local guide when you're at, uh, at those places, or do you feel like hey, you have the expertise, you just do it yourself? So I do most of the travel that, that I do is through uh, Yellow Dog, uh, which is, they're here in town, and they're kind of a, one of the, the larger fly fishing travel agents. They have like a, a salesperson for each region, and... So like for like the the guy from Mexico is Sean Lawson, and he knows he's been to every property they represent, um, and then he knows the the guides at each one. So it really makes it good for somebody like me or or you know anybody to be able to go someplace and feel like you're getting you're not just showing up off of something you 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 went off uh, uh, looked online. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. Definitely, if you're going to spend the money and the time to go to go somewhere, I would definitely, you know, start uh, with with somebody who's a a good resource. And and you know, my little niche in the travel world is I've been to a lot of places. And 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 if I haven't been to exactly, you know, that beach in Belize, I've probably been pretty close. So you know, I'm always a good person to ask about what to expect in terms of the fishing. But I'm not necessarily the guy to come to to plan your trip. Gotcha. So most of our listeners have never been out of the country to fish. I mean, I haven't. Uh, yeah. What's the, big, what's the big difference between, let's say, Steve and I planning a trip to Montana for you know for four or five days versus going to another country to to fish for another kind of fish? What's the, what are some differences between the two that we should? expect well i mean you you get the first the obvious things uh cultural and language barriers you know there's there's some different gear there's different flies you know i, I think for a lot of people uh the uh the cost up front can be prohibitive but then once you start comparing everything it's you know there, there's there's cost differences usually aren't you know for, for you to come out and fish for five days in Montana, you know, fish with a, a guide for two days uh, and, and then fish on your own for, for four or five days. That has costs. And, and, you know, a lot of times you can go to Mexico and maybe have the same kind of experience for a similar costs. So people have anxiety about, but about travel. So that, that yeah. would be the, yeah, the, sure. um, for, I'll tell you for me, um, I started started off as something I wanted to do because I wanted to I wanted to catch these fish and and go to these places and then you know as I'm almost 20 years into it now I for me what's done is it's made me appreciate more just every day I go fishing um, yeah it, it, yeah it's, uh, you know like I I enjoy fishing here on the Lower Madison. Um, yeah, just as much as I do chasing permit and, and Belize, it's it's so it's it's given me a better appreciation for just fishing in general. What are some of those species that you've uh, maybe the favorite ones that you've caught that you 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 really enjoyed? Peacock bass is right up there. Trout are right up there too. So it's, sure. it's uh, um, 
yeah, a lot of times when you're going different places, it's the weather and water conditions, just like everything else. A peacock bass is, is pretty hard to beat in terms of uh, the visual nature of the strike um, and, and the surroundings where you're at, I think. Permit on the flats are kind of, uh, you know, that's, that's about the, the pinnacle of adrenaline rush um, for fly mm-hmm. fishing. Are they hitting? Are they hitting stuff on top of the water or streamers or permit? What are they hitting? Permit typically are eating uh, crab or shrimp patterns. They're notoriously finicky um, to the fly, but they're also they can just be uh, they're a fish that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense a lot of times. Uh, you know, one day they show up and the next day they don't. It's, it's kind of when you go permit fishing, um, a lot of times you just you just have to go look, and and sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not. It can it can make you you can make you wonder if the guide knows what he's doing, and then you can also <laughs> think he's the best guide in the world. Because um, I've I've been in that situation with some great guides year after year. You know, and you go to these spots and one day you one day you see forty permit feeding hungry, and then you know the other twenty seven days I've been there you never see a single one. <laughs> Like wow. fishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Permit fishing can be a little. It's uh, but they're you know they're a, a super exciting fish. And as far as the fish that I've personally caught in my life, I've, I've landed two permit. Probably got a good sixty days in into permit fishing. Um, wow. So that's you know those those two fish are special and and uh, you know among my kind of favorite memories but if i was given my choice of going anything you know doing anything right now it would it would probably be going peacock bass fishing so what why don't you describe now you do run fly fishing trips through your fins and feathers and bozeman correct yeah we'll we'll do hosted trips so i'll put a group of uh maybe six to ten people together and we you know we don't do it every year we don't do it all the time i kind of uh do it based on demand and, and interest. Um, I, I did for years, we did hosted trips to New Zealand and then I'll do hosted trips to uh, Mexico and Belize. I, I did one for Peacock Bass. And uh, yeah, so a lot of times I'll do these hosted trips are kind of a combination of, of uh, you know, friends and, uh, and, and guys like yourselves, people that I fished with before. So what kind of chops do you really need to have, basic level chops, do you need to have to, to fish to do well on a trip like this? It's really weather and water conditions more than anything. I mean, I've got a 11 year old. He's a pretty good angler. Been with him when he's caught 60 pound tarpon. Um, he's caught permit. He's caught some big redfish. Catches trout. You know, somebody who's just learning how to fish or fly fish. Um, there's places that aren't going to be suited to them. And then, uh, but there are places where somebody who's, who's, uh, you know, and I run into this in my business where we have people who've fly fished in Belize, but have never trout fished. Wow. It's it's not always, you don't have to be an awesome angler. What we're talking about too is is essentially lodges or guided fishing programs are kind of done outside of the country. So, um, you know, big component of that is, is making sure that you're going to a place that that suits you. You don't want to go to some place in Mexico that specializes in permit fishing with with local local guides that don't speak any English. Yeah, if you've right. never if you've yeah. never fly fished before. Yeah. yeah not a good but there's idea. places in but there's places in Mexico that will be 
great for somebody who's who's never fished before. And I, and I always think, you know, um, for like an international trip, like great destinations uh, for your first time, saltwater is usually the thing that, that lures most people for their first kind of international fly fishing oh, destination. And so going someplace like Ascension Bay in Mexico or um, going someplace in the Bahamas, those, those two are relatively easy to get to. They're well-developed areas. Uh, the Bahamas, everybody speaks English. And most of the places that you're going to fish in Mexico, the guides are going to speak speak good English. You can be, like you guys in Chicago, can be in Cancun with less stops than you can in both. Well, not you have to yeah. to both, but, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's yeah. pretty yeah. easy to it's get quick. to these places. Oh, that's great. You know, I, I've always been fascinated by uh, fly fishing for trout in New Zealand. What's What's that like, just say compared to fishing the Yellowstone or the, you know, the Madison? Um, it's very different. Um, that like New Zealand's a, you know, it's two islands. You got the North and the South Island. Overall, the country is about the size of California, so it's mm-hmm. that's a pretty big area. Um, and really, you drive a couple hours and you run into different kind of uh, environmental zones. You know, you'll have high desert and you drive two two hours and you're in tropical rainforest. Um, mm. So you get a lot of diversity. Uh, the amount of water in New Zealand is really overwhelming to me. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, there's just rivers and streams everywhere. The big difference is, is that you find uh, the further up and towards the headwaters you get in most of these rivers, uh, the larger the fish are and the populations are... are uh, much smaller. So, you know, you get into some of these headwater streams where where the bigger fish come from, and, you know, there might be 20 fish per mile. Part of the reason that the fish get so much larger there is that the, it's a pretty temperate climate overall, you know, versus like in the Rockies, you get into trout water four to five months there where you really don't have much of a kind of a growing season versus in New Zealand, you know, the, 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 that span of time is, is smaller. It's more like two months. So the hmm. fish, fish are growing. They don't have the predators that we have either. But overall, it's a, it, the fishing is quite a bit different. I mean, you, you wouldn't use boats. Um, it's, it's largely sight fishing, walking, mm-hmm. spotting. So in general, the hatches are going to be more sparse and more sporadic than, than what we will see in the Rockies. You'll have a, a mayfly hatch uh, throughout the day. Oftentimes, they'll see a, a small little flight of spinners, and you know we're thinking it's just starting, but and that's like the the peak of the the spinner fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit different. So, have you had any close encounters, safety encounters, like in Montana? You run into a grizzly every now and again, and a rattlesnake every now and again. Have you had anything like that comparable in other countries? Not really. It, I, I definitely, I always, um, I always try to learn a little bit about what those what those things are that I need to watch. For me, traveling in Latin America and Central America, I don't speak Spanish very well. Uh, being cognizant of of language barriers, making making smart decisions like uh, traveling in groups, having an idea where you are at night. Uh, but as far as like the wildlife stuff, I, I, I paid more attention to insects probably than anything. Definitely, I, I mean, I've walked through the jungle before, and I'm always like, uh, are there snakes here? 
I need to watch out for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you start yeah. walking through the jungle with vines and canopies everywhere. Let the uh, let the guide go first. Exactly. Um, yeah. the, He's probably uh, going first because the tiger's going to come back and eat, eat one of the yeah. guys that's following him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean snakes or something, but you get in some of these rainforests, and uh, you know, you talk about you got frogs and spiders and scorpions and and uh, you know mosquitoes and dengue, dengue fever, whatever, you know, um, there's, there's different things that you need to need to be aware of. That hey, how much, of, how much of your own gear, like your fly rod, do you clients usually take, or is it a situation where, oh, I suppose with saltwater fishing, I mean, you, you need, you need a completely different outfit. Yeah, you do. And, and typically, uh, typically these places don't have gear. Um, th- there's definitely some lodges. Um, and guides that will have gear, but a lot of times they don't. So um, that's, that's part of kind of when you when you book your trip. Um, yeah, uh, you know that that's something to consider. The biggest difference between what what you're going to need uh, trout fishing and some of these other things would be a lot of times it just comes down to the lines. Um, you know, uh, somebody who fishes pike and bass and muskies, they might have an eight or nine weight. And that mm-hmm. same rod is something that you can use other places, uh, yeah. but but the fly lines uh, are oftentimes like the big thing that's different, and it has to do okay. with uh, you know how those lines perform in in hot humid environment. I always take my own gear, and I always encourage people to take their own gear. It's disappointing when you spend all this money and time traveling someplace, and you and you show up, and they've got some some kind of gear that was. Was uh, was the hot item in Walmart 25 years ago, <laughs> yeah. and that's just the that's the reality of it. Yeah, yeah. But there are places, you know, that that will have the latest and greatest too. Think about your hosted trip for a moment. Let's just get into some real tactical stuff. Somebody's going to New Zealand on a hosted trip with you. Is it five grand? Is it ten grand? Is it fifteen grand? Ballpark it for me. You know, it's uh, usually when I do hosted trips, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to do some kind of value deal. Um, so I haven't done a New Zealand trip in four or five years. Um, the exchange rate's gotten more. So let's, let's say, let's say under five grand for 10 days. Gotcha. Okay. Not that's including your is. airfare. That's not including your airfare. But, but once you get there. Sure. Okay. The, the saltwater stuff, uh, if I were to do a hosted trip to saltwater, destination it's usually i'm trying to make it kind of uh, uh affordable so usually 2500 to 3000 for four days three or three days four nights yeah. four days five nights something like that so does that include lodging but not airfare like you said it'll yeah typically when you hear uh travel prices it, it's uh, uh once you arrive so, like in okay. in Mexico, like Ascension Bay, it would be everything from Cancun. So you once your plane lands, you get picked up, and that's, okay. that's usually what it is. Yeah. It, yeah. How does tipping work on something like that? Even with like a local guide, obviously you're doing that since you're the leader of the hosted trip. But how do you think about tips from a guide? I always, I know how hard it is to guide. So so I always tip guides personally like a hundred to hundred and fifty dollars a day no matter where I'm at. Like a lot of times in Central America 
you know, they'll say tip tip the guy thirty to fifty dollars per person. I always I always try to be very generous because I know how hard how hard the work is. Yeah. yeah. And also a lot of these places too. Um, I mean, this is they that's how those guys make their living for the you know the entire year, and uh, and, and they generally, you know, if, if the country's median income is eighteen thousand dollars, these guys are on the low end of that. And yeah. so the you know tips make a tips make a, a big difference in a lot of their lives. If somebody said, "Hey, I, I I'd like to do you know," hopefully they go out to Montana and visit your fly shop, see the van, and, and get a guided trip on the Yellowstone or whatever trip that you're doing. Are you open to doing hosted trips more in the future at Fins and Feathers? Is that something you aspire to, or uh, is that just kind of more passion based on? I don't know. I guess I'm not. Yeah, sure no, no, it is. It, it's it's definitely. Um, I. It's not a big part of my model. I would say yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's something. It, yeah, it, it's uh, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to travel. So, uh, it, it's something when when I was first starting to travel, I needed to do that. Uh, yeah. To be able to go to these places, and and I'm not so much in that position anymore. Um, so it's something that when I when I'm doing a hosted trip, I'm doing it more to uh, to kind of share the experience with people more so than trying to uh, you know honestly there's not a lot of money in it regardless right. and and I've done I've done these trips with uh, I've had the whole the full spectrum of of uh, you know I've seen people just have complete nervous breakdowns um, and I've had trips that just went you know where everybody gelled great mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's uh you know there can be a lot of stress with just personality management and yeah. uh, kind of the dynamics of the group and uh unless I'm pretty sure everybody's going to gel really well I'd rather I don't care how much money it is I'd rather stay out of it yeah, yeah no kidding <laughs> well hey one one final question for you what would you say that your clients have liked most and and maybe also liked least about the, the exotic trips that, that you've offered? What, what do they like most and what maybe have they been, haven't been as excited about? The big deal is, is uh, uh, traveling with me uh, someplace that I've been before. So, you know, you guys, for example, if you've never been bone fishing before, you jump on one of our trips. My job is to kind of buffer the uh, travel, the, the anxieties of, of uh, you know, making decisions in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. Should I tell my guide I want to go permit fishing, or should I tell him I want to go bone fishing? Um, it's just the the you know sharing the camaraderie of of the the whole adventure. The bummer thing is when you when you end up getting somebody on the trip who just doesn't fit in with the group. Mm-hmm. Um, that would yeah. be the, the the thing. I mean, most people, you know, everybody always goes into a trip hoping for the for the best in terms of the fishing. The reality of weather and water conditions. Uh, it's just kind of they are what they are. If you get lucky, yeah. you're not all right. Yeah. Um, but, t- but typically, you know, even when we've, when we've done trips and fishing hasn't been good, people remember it and people enjoyed it. One more thing, why don't, just as a plug for uh, your shop out there, one of the things I remember a conversation that you and I had going down, I think it was the Lower Madison, we were talking about differentiation, all the different fly shops in the area. And you said something that I thought was really really good you said we're kind of known as the fishy fly shop and is that still true and could you just expand on that what does that mean what that really we're saying when we do is is that 
that we, you know, the people who work here are passionate anglers. We tech flies, we fish. That's that's what we do, um, and and that's uh, I think what's kind of uh, you know it it does set us apart, and it also makes us really enjoy what we're doing. Yeah, that's really great. But we always have a great experience with you, Toby, and we really appreciate you joining us today on Two Guys in a River. And uh, hey, maybe we'll uh, get to book a trip with you this summer on the Madison or. or Yellowstone or something. No, that'd be great. And I think it's, I think it's, uh, I've enjoyed kind of watching you guys talk about doing this and then turn it into doing it and then having success and, and, uh, and growing and having fun with it, reaching out. I think it's awesome. So Toby, one, one final question. Have you forgiven me for breaking that one fly rod, that H3 <laughs> on the lower Madison? <laughs> was it an H3? No, it wasn't an H3. It had it to be an no. H2. It was probably an no, H2. I, no. I don't know. I've forgotten about it, but I haven't forgiven you. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> that explains that little that little piece of anxiety I have in my stomach whenever I talk to you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's, that's why I always get the front of the boat and yeah. stay in the back the whole time. Exactly. Oh, oh, that's great. Oh, well, well, thanks so much, Toby. This has been fabulous. Yeah, well, this is great. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Well, that was a fascinating conversation, Dave. Any any key takeaways? One of the things that hits me was his comment about after all the places he's fished, appreciating. <laughs> the Bozeman area yeah, and fishing the yeah. lower Madison. Mm-hmm. For example, even this conversation about fishing in New Zealand, the types of hatches there, you know, it right. just gets started. Mm-hmm. You think, oh my, it's going to really keep going. You realize, no, that's the yeah, peak. Right. But it, it just reminds me again how great the fishing is in the West. Yeah. And I came away thinking, yep, yeah, you and I should definitely do one of those exotic trips. Uh, but I am so glad that we have a rhythm to go out west and fish those great rivers. I'll tell you, exotic for me is Montana, (laughs) (laughs) at least for now. The other thing, too, it hit me is that before you go on a fly fishing trip, make sure you like the people that you go on that trip with yeah, because they will make or break uh, that fly fishing trip. Both you and I have been on mission trips where we've gone to other countries, I've been to Russia four times and Mexico, and you've been all over. Been to Haiti. Haiti. Yeah. And, but I tell you what, your trip is only as good as the amount of drama that you have on that trip. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and so the people you go with, it really yeah, matters. It really does. So those were the two takeaways yep. that I had from really that does. conversation. Good, good stuff. Good stuff from Toby. All right, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's an email we received from a listener named Mike. And it's a great reminder about safety when waiting. Mike wrote, I enjoyed the podcast on waiting commandments revisited, particularly the comment about why am I waiting anyway? I was over in the Minnesota Driftless on January 4th. It was in the mid-40s, and I managed to slip on the muddy bank on my way out of the stream. Uh, man, I get that because I've done it there too. Yeah, for sure. Slipping with one foot caused me to try and correct with the other, which then caused me to lose my balance further backward into the stream. And the next thing I know, I was face down in about a foot and a half of cold water. Wow. <laughs> and as you said on the podcast, there was a moment of panic. 
fortunately, I had the wading belt on, didn't take on too much water, and I was able to right the ship, so to speak, without too much difficulty. <laughs> I was good and wet and cold, though, and it put an end to my fishing day. There was really no reason for me to have even been in the water. I'm 60 years old and still in good shape, but the balance isn't what it once was. The bank was pretty clear for casting, and, and all I probably did by wading anyway was spook fish. I really enjoy the podcast, blog post, and book of lists. Thanks. That is a great comment. That really is. You and I have been talking about that more and more, and some of it has to do with age. Some of it has to do with just, is there really a need to wait on yeah, the stream? Yeah, right. Yeah, sometimes you need to cross the river to get a better angle or whatever. That's different. But just the, the tendency to, that, okay, I'm going to wade this stretch of river, and the yeah. question is mm -hmm. why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, that's great. It's that's fly great fishing, not wading, not yes, fly wading. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for today. Have you taken any exotic fly fishing trips? And if so, what was it like? Please tell us by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysinariver.com. What experiences have you had fly fishing outside the country or on an exotic trip to some warm place? And as we say uh, at the end of every podcast thank you so much for referring the podcast to your tu chapter fly fishing club book club your family your network your co-workers at work whoever but thank you so much it's how we have grown and we're just very grateful for your trust also be sure to send us any ideas that you have for upcoming podcast episodes just reach out to us at steve dave at two guys in a river .com. one more thing if you haven't yet purchased our book please do so the Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>